بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Welcome back to Unlocking Hearts A show where we specifically make tafakkur of the Quran and tadabbur so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from among those whose hearts are not locked and sealed because of not pondering about the Quran. Today we look at the ninth juz of the Quran which begins at verse 88 of Surah Al-A'raf and ends at verse 40 of Surah Al-Anfal. These two suar follow very different themes. Surah Al-A'raf is the second of two suar focused on our theology, our belief. Surah Al-Anfal on the other hand is the first of two suar focused on the military struggles of the Prophet ﷺ and his companions. Thus the theme of theology runs through the first half of this juz. Then there is a shift to military struggles. The shift is not disconnected though. The verses opening Surah Al-Anfal ground in Islamic theology and remind us that victory, success in other words, is from Allah. And to earn a blessed victory, we must be true believers. The link between a strong belief and a successful military campaign connects these two chapters of the Quran in a general way. There are many parallels between Surah Al-An'am and Surah Al-A'raf, right? Surah Al-An'am spoke about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sending worldly possessions as a punishment to those who disbelieved before snatching it all away with their destruction. Surah Al-A'raf then mentions how Allah blesses the worldly possessions of those who obey Allah. Surah Al-An'am discusses the stories of the perished nations who enjoyed the blessings of this world and then were punished. Surah Al-A'raf discusses the stories of those who obeyed Allah and as a result received blessings in this world and the next. The following two verses are beautiful illustrations of this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and this is of course the verse that we are also going to select uh, for today to, to really zoom into it. فَلَمَّا نَسُوا مَا ذُكِّرُوا بِهِ فَتَحْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ أَبَوَابَ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ حَتَّى إِذَا فَرِحُوا بِمَا أُوتُوا أَخَذْنَاهُمْ بَغْتَةً فَإِذَا هُمْ مُبْلِسُونَ that's, that's ayah number 44 of Surah Al-An'am. And ayah number 44 of uh, Surah Al-An'am, when they forgot the reminders, we opened up for them the doors of everything. We opened up for them the doors of everything, right? So this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying that they forgot the Quran, they forgot the reminders of the believer, of the uh, messengers, yet Allah Ta'ala opens up for them all sorts of things. They, they, they apparently, right, at a very superficial level, are enjoying success. But this is actually bad for them. Because what Allah means is thereby, their desires are now without any limitations. And along with that, they are led further and further into the abyss of pursuing material things. So this is what we call hedonism, right? So they get onto the hedonic treadmill and they keep walking and walking and pursuing the next pleasure and Allah opens it up for them, but it's all for their destruction. Allah protect us. And it's scary because are we in such a time where we are perhaps, you know, making so much progress in terms of technology and communication and information, etc. But is this perhaps Allah opening up things for us before he... He really takes us to task. Allah mahfadna, Allah protect us. And this is what Allah says, Hatta idha farihu bima utu, until they eventually rejoice 
at what they were given, not even what they attained, but what they what they were given, because it's not with their own efforts, it's Allah that opened up for them. Then we take them, we seize them, baghdatan, suddenly, and then suddenly they are completely dumbstruck, they are left into despair. So it's a very serious warning. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the, the understanding and uh, the wisdom from the Quran. Ameen. So the juz begins in the middle of the story of Shu'aib alayhi salatu wasalam, which gives us an example of both types of people. Shu'aib alayhi salatu wasalam was a wealthy trader whose wealth was blessed due to his piety. His people were wealthy traders who earned Allah's anger due to their cheating, right? So about them and people like them, Allah says, if only the people believed and feared Allah, we would have opened for them the barakah. But they denied, so we seized them. So wealth is neither intrinsically good nor bad, but it is how we treat it with our belief and with our practice that determines whether it is blessed for us or whether it is cursed for us. May Allah grant us beneficial risk. And this is why the Prophet ﷺ specifically prayed for beneficial sustenance as opposed to just praying for all forms of sustenance and abundance and money, etc. We don't know how we will be with a lot of money, right? Let's say we, we are in a situation where we, where we live from hand to mouth and we so desire to have more and more and more, but how will we be as believers should we have that abundance, right? Anyway, the verse quoted above that we spoke about um, appears immediately after this story as a reflection on it. Had the people of Madian, the people of Shu'aib wasalam, believed, they would have experienced barakah in their wealth as Shu'aib wasalam, did. They feared that accepting Islam would cause them to lose their wealth. And the reality is the opposite of what they feared. This story was very relevant to the people of Makkah as they shared the same fear. The Quraysh were wealthy, wealthy, wealthy traders who feared losing their wealth if they embraced Islam. Why? Because they were the, the keepers of the idols. The idols were housed in and around the Kaaba. So if you get rid of idolatry, then you get rid of a reason for people to come to Makkah to worship the idols and to bring gifts and to trade. So essentially, idolatry came with a lot of financial benefit for the Quraysh. But instead, Allah put barakah in the wealth of the Muslims and made Makkah a center of blessed commerce, which it remains today. In fact, there's even an English proverb that, or an English idiom that basically goes that, you know, something is the, the Mecca of, of uh, jewelry or it's the Mecca of computers or whatever the case may be, because that's how blessed Makkah is. And this was due to the iman of the believers and the good works of the believers. And Allah knows best. Another story in this Jews is the story of Nabi Musa wasalam, and the magicians of Pharaoh. When the magicians witnessed the miracles of Nabi Musa, they immediately believed and gave up everything in this world for Allah. They were threatened and killed by Pharaoh, but did not waver in their faith. The believer knows that the true blessings lie in the afterlife. The next surah is a shift back to, Mad to uh, Madinan revelation. So the period after Medina or after the Hijrah rather, uh, that is what we refer to as the Madani period. Surah Al-Anfal was revealed shortly after the Battle of Badr as a reflection on the battle itself. And it is the shortest surah in the first third of the Quran after Al-Fatiha. And it is placed here due to its relation to Surah Al-Tawbah 
which some of the companions considered it an extension of. It's also worthy to note that the Qur'an is not arranged from longest to shortest suwar as some people may believe, although that may appear to be the case, especially since Surah Al-Baqarah is the longest surah and then you have you know, very long suwar following it. But remember that the Qur'an begins with Surah Al-Fatiha, which is one of the shortest suwar. So when the Qur'an was compiled, Ibn Abbas عنه, asked Uthman, Ibn Affan عنه, what is your reasoning with Surah Al-Anfal, which has less than a hundred verses, and Surah Al-Tawbah, which has more than a hundred verses, yet you put them together without writing in the name of Allah, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, between the two of them. And you placed with them the seven long suwar. Why did you do that? Now remember, Sayyidina Uthman عنه, was not acting out of his own accord. He was responding to what the Sahaba knew of the Prophet ﷺ. So Sayyidina Uthman عنه, responded that Al-Anfal was among the first to be revealed in Medina and At-Tawbah was among the last of those revealed of the Qur'an and their discussions resemble each other. So we thought that they were part of each other. Then the Messenger of Allah ﷺ passed away and it was not clear to us if they were part of each other. Now, the reason for this is, Sayyidina Uthman had a very stringent way of deciding where to, put, where to put which surah of the Qur'an. And this is why the, the majority of scholars are actually of the opinion that the arrangement of the surah are partly because of wahi, in other words, partly divinely inspired, but as a whole, or generally speaking, they were placed in that particular arrangement or tartib because of ijtihad of the Sahaba. That the Sahaba would say, okay, we heard the Prophet ﷺ saying this, we heard him reciting that, we heard him reciting this one after that one usually, etc. And they needed to bring their evidence, they needed to bring their witnesses. And this was the, the manhaj that he followed and this is the opinion of the majority of scholars. So that places some context around the idea of you know, figuring out the theme of one surah with the next surah and, uh, you know, the theme continues and so on. This is why perhaps we find many of these, um, many of these connections between surah. But it's not necessarily that it is divinely ordained as such that one surah must follow the other and Allah knows best. So moving on, the Messenger of Allah died and it was not clear to us if they were part of each other. This is what Sayyidina Uthman said. For this reason, we put them together without writing in the name of Allah, the most gracious, the most merciful. And we included them with the seven long suwar. There are many other explanations for the omission of the basmala, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, at the beginning of Surah At-Tawbah. And the one thing that is for sure is that there were there's consensus among the Sahaba that that was how it's supposed to be. And the explanation that many scholars had given is that Surah At-Tawbah begins not with a message of mercy, but with a message of the sword. And the first verse or the first predominant theme there is a final warning, an ultimatum to the disbelievers that this is it. There's no more after this. There's no more mercy for you in this world after this. You either have to follow in the way of the Prophet when you have to get out of Makkah. Surah Al-A'raf ended with the story of Musa and his followers defeating the Pharaoh. Surah Al-Anfal was revealed after the Prophet and his companions defeated the Quraysh at Badr. 
There are many parallels between these stories. The followers of Musa had to flee Egypt. The companions had to flee Mecca. The Pharaoh was killed in this event. The Pharaoh of this nation, Abu Jahl, was killed at Badr. So these stories give hope to the oppressed that Allah will grant them victory over their oppressors eventually. This is one of the core themes found throughout this Jews of the Quran, the triumph of the oppressed over the oppressors. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. And at this moment, we take the opportunity to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wassalatu wassalamu ala ashrafil anbiya'i wal mursaleen. Sayyidina wa nabiyina wa maulana Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتب علينا يا مولانا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم أو الله in these blessed moments of Ramadan we raise our hands to you as your weak humble servants begging of your mercy begging of your forgiveness for our wrongdoings أو الله we perpetually wrong ourselves and oppress our own souls and there's no one who can forgive us except you so we turn to you for your forgiveness يا أرحم الراحمين أو الله We raise our hands and we beg of you on behalf of all of those who suffer oppression in this world, all of those who suffer at the hands of the oppressors. Ya Rabbil Alameen, your Quran is full of hope, full of hope for the oppressed against the oppressors. We beg of you to bring the oppressors to justice and to not make us of the oppressors. Ya Allah, we ask you that you grant us a mustajab dua like you grant those of the oppressed. Ya Arhamar Rahimin, we ask that you remove the violence, the crime, the hatred from our lands, from our lives, from our loved ones. Ya Rabbil Alameen, we pray to you and we beg of you that you make us from among those who have beneficial wealth, that our wealth remains within our hands and that we spend it for your sake. Oh Allah, we ask that you make us very good at receiving, earning, saving and spending wealth. for the good causes that you've designated to us. Ya Arhamar Rahimeen. Ya Allah, we ask your protection from evil wealth and from wealth that takes us away from you and from your remembrance and from wealth that would cause us to face the punishment of this world and the punishment of the world you're after. Ya Allah, make us not deceived by our worldly possessions and allow us to be from among those who can constantly come back to you because their worldly possessions do not distract them Do not distract them from you. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barik ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammadin kama sallayta ala Sayyidina Ibrahim wa ala ali Sayyidina Ibrahim innaka hamidun majid. Wa sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammad walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Ameen ya rabbil alameen. Jazakumullahu khayran. Until next time, this was Unlocking Hearts. I'm Irshad Siddiq and we hope to meet again soon inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.